It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say. Your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. And welcome in, everybody, to Scout's Eye on College and Pro Football. Yes, we've made it to the Twitch channel. All the um, work we have been doing behind the scenes and getting everybody involved in doing the uh, the Twitch shows. We really appreciate uh all the guys that are working so hard and uh, I hope you had a chance to watch and uh, listen this morning to Miller and Malton. They do a great job out of Fort Myers and have a national flavor to their show and really starts the morning on right. Uh, we've got um, after this today and we'll talk football today. What, what do we have on today? <laughs> Today's Wednesday. Of course, we've got Chuck Oliver in his traditional spot, midday, 11 a.m., till 1 p.m. Central Time. So a lot of good shows here. We're constantly adding good quality shows uh, to the network and got all the conference shows. But we're going to try to get here uh, each and every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central to do the show that I have been doing, Scout's Eye on College and Pro Football. We're basically going <laughs> to give you um, a film room perspective um, from the college and pro game. Uh, inside news information. We've uh, those of you that have listened to this um, podcast for some time. We've kind of adjusted it the days and what have you. We're looking at some other possibilities as well, but uh, we're going to try to get it <clears throat> here live for you for the TV audience. The scouting schedule, the consulting schedule, everything sometimes messes that up. But we're going to try to make this uh, appointment viewing for you here, at 9 a.m. Central Time. Um, every Wednesday as we kind of take the middle of the week approach to where we will recap and look ahead in a combination fashion. So, you know, everyone talks about, well, Monday is the day you got to recap. Well, it is. And we do recap. And certainly in various shows that I'm involved in on different platforms, we recap what happens on Monday in the college scene and the NFL scene. But understand, I do it a little bit differently. My background coaching and scouting is looking at film. So you can't look at enough film uh, to, on Monday morning, be able to say, this is what I saw on film. So I like the part where I can take the film work, give you a good sample size of what I saw, which stood out. That's a little bit different than you're going to get anywhere else uh, on the college and pro scene, as well as kind of look ahead. So Now that we're in the football season, we're going to be able to break down the games. Well, uh, I'm bearing the lead, I guess, because the big story of the day, and we have heard this, and I've resisted addressing it um, because when it happens, it happens if it happens, but it 
there feels like there is um, where there's smoke, there's fire. Uh, we should get an announcement. I'm expecting today, uh, Wednesday, that the Big Ten is returning. Uh, when they're going to return, it could be that last week of October, not necessarily. I guess that would be the 24th. Uh, if I got my, don't have my calendar in front of me. I think it's the. I think that's a Saturday. I think there was anticipation there was going to be a week before, which would be the 17th, I guess. It looked like it might be maybe not the 17th. We'll, we'll get the details, but it appears that after all is said and done, that they're going to play. And, you know, the interesting thing, my initial thoughts on it are, A, from a coaching standpoint, everybody just cares about watching the games on Saturday. And I always equate that to sitting down and eating the meal. Yeah, you know, it's you enjoy it. But I, I tend to work it from the coaching angle and the scouting angle of you got to get prepared. Now, what are the Big Ten teams been doing? Well, well, they've been practicing, Chris. Well, some have been practicing. Some are basically backed off of their practice due to positive tests. And the ones that are practicing are practicing in a spring-like fashion and little scrimmaging. So, in essence, what I'm saying is they got a lot of work to do. If they indeed are going to come back at the end of August, they got a lot of work to do to get ready. And I said it on um, uh, SEC football and beyond that I do with Neil McCready on um, Tuesday. Well, we talk SEC, but we, as the name would suggest, we go beyond it. And I talk about how they needed to get going yesterday to get the Big Ten season off from a coaching standpoint. From an administrative standpoint, yeah, line up, we're ready to go. And, you know, but it, it's not as easy to be able to turn it on and turn it off. You you can't get ready. Players have not been preparing for a football season. They've been hoping for a football season. But look, there is nothing normal about anything going on in our society, in our world all year. I am just happy that they're coming back if indeed they do. And the issue is going to be not only getting ready, but what is going to be the situation with regard to how many games they can get done? I think that's going to be important to figure out. Um, let's figure out if they're going to be able to get an entire season in. Uh, there, there's no question that they're going to finish the season. I mean, they're not going to stop it now that they've started. But will they have enough? I guess I said that wrong. Do, do will they have enough games when you start to look at the schedules of of a team that plays ten or eleven games versus a team that plays eight? How do they equate the that when it comes to the playoffs? But I, you know, that is something that we're going to have to adjust to and look at. And you know, I I, I tend to look at. You know, certainly it'll be unequal in terms of results in games played and who you've played, but this is going to be anything but a normal year. And I'm just glad they're coming back. Now, there's no indication that the Pac 12 is on the same time frame. 
I'm curious to see if this could be moved up. The latest from the Pac-12 is that they're hoping that maybe in November. This change it. This is, and I want to get into football because that's what I'm here for. But there's so much, the email box, the chat room. And by the way, one of the great things about doing this show live is you can go if you're listening, if listen, watching right now on Twitch, go to the chat room, click the heart button, like us, send us your comments, send me your questions, and we'll address it. I have to put on my readers to read it, but I, I'll get to it. If you're listening to this podcast uh, in a podcast form, that's great. We appreciate you. Uh, but just know that you can also watch it, and you can contribute by sending in your questions. You can also send your questions in an email form at um, go to LandryFootball.com and hit contact Chris. But from the latest from the Pac-12 is that, you know, that they would probably go in November. I'm wondering if they couldn't expedite things. This is annoying, and this is the last thing I'll move on, is the politics involved, the collegiate politics and then the national politics that are all involved in this is very annoying because they're different agendas. And for someone that loves the college game, it is more than annoying to see the lack of unification is what makes the sport unique and quite frankly, not, not very appealing. That part's not very appealing. And I'm not one to want the college game to be like the pro game, but the college game could learn an awful lot about unification and being on the same page. If you have the means through testing and planning to play in one conference versus another, you all can play. Now, I realize there's some differences in states and the amount of spread, I'm not going to get into the whole epidemiology. I'm not qualified for that. But I think we know that this can be handled. This can be organized. And the fact that they're not working together, but kind of everybody doing their own thing, it just kind of um, shines a light on the problem that college football has in terms of an administrative standpoint, administrating the sport. and. Um, I always have felt that and don't feel like we need a dictatorial commissioner, but we need someone that could bring people together. And that's what pro commissioners do. And that's what I think would really benefit the college game. If we had that. All right. Enough of that. I'm annoying myself by talking about that. But again, I know you want certain things addressed. That's the latest news with regard to this past week. And again, you already know what happened, and you probably react to it. Um, have, he says, uh, uh, Spartan Nation, have you already spoke on the Big Ten um, league from Nebraska saying there will be football? Um, no, I just talked about the Big Ten and how it does appear, appear that it's coming back. So, yeah, this all started with the leak of and in this fitting i mentioned this on the film room show last night with scott seidenberg in this fitting 
that this all started with an open mic from the Nebraska president. I mean, how fitting that this big time cluster would leak out that way, but it, it does appear like the big 10 will be playing. Um, as I react to the games of the weekend, again, you already know what happened, but I want to get into the minutia of what the film says. And we're going to always address some of the top games, the top teams and other things that are interesting for more detail. Okay. And the detail that we can obviously not get to with the depth here in this show, uh, quite to this degree, go to LandryFootball.com. Uh, check out what we've got going there. We've got um, special savings for a year membership. You can try it out for a monthly membership. Um, whatever is your fancy. We break down the college game and the pro game from inside the film room. So that's the mantra. That's what we do. We're giving you that coaching and scouting perspective. So you can get the analysis that's picked up you know, all around the country um, where you can get the film room notes from the t- how, the, how the teams looked on film, which is, folks, it's 100% different than what you're seeing on TV and what you're seeing live in person uh, at a game. we kind of break it down in a little bit of a different fashion on film to, to give you the whys. Why did it happen? What does it mean? So that's what we want to provide for you. And that's what we do. And that's what we do at LandryFootball.com. You get the complete detailed analysis as well as player grades. How did players grade out? Well, the offensive line played poorly. You don't know that till you break down the tape. And you know how to break down tape, Okay. So we provide that for you and tell you who graded well and maybe who didn't and what the grades mean, color grades that correspond, how our play grade. So that's what we're going to do. But I want to get some observations. We talked a little bit um, in a couple of different platforms. But a couple of big stories that came out of this past weekend. One was the performance of the Big 12. Um. First of all, let's start with the positive, and there were positives. Looked at Oklahoma, Spencer Rattler, and the Sooners on tape. Yes, it was against Bobby Petrino's Missouri Missouri State team. It was a complete mismatch. And when you look at tape, yeah, you're certainly looking at who you're playing against and who you're doing it against. But there's some things in evaluation, evaluating skill sets that I think are pertinent in Spencer Rattler is for real in terms of his arm strength, his velocity, all things that we knew. And if you're a member of LandryFootball.com, you've been known about that since that young kid came out of the state of Arizona and was deemed to be the next good quarterback at Oklahoma. And he's a young guy that can move and can throw at different platforms, and he can be special. And in that offense, he will be. They look good as they should have. Texas, look. They did what they were supposed to do. I thought they were, for the most part, impressive against UTEP. They did what they were supposed to do. I am anxious to watch Oklahoma State this week against Tulsa. Not that it is a really good Tulsa team, but it is going to be a little challenge for Oklahoma State first week. This is, I think, a good Oklahoma State team. While some people were 
we'll get to Iowa State in a second, thinking that Iowa State was, uh, you know, maybe a, a contender. I think Oklahoma State would be the potential third team contending in the Big 12. And I'm not saying national playoff caliber yet, but I think they could be in that top three mix of the Big 12, more so than I thought Iowa State even before last week. So I'm curious to see what Oklahoma State has to offer. Lots of, let's say, less than harmonious situations at Oklahoma State this offseason. Is that going to have any effect in the season? Don't know. We'll see. But they're talented. They're really talented. Got a good run game with Chuda Hubbard. They can balance out their offense a little bit more. Make some plays from in the pocket, midline, outside the pocket. Got some weapons. Defense still suspect, but can still be pretty good. But the Big 12 had an embarrassing week. Let's call it what it is. Um, what does the film say? Well, Iowa State did not play well at the line of scrimmage like they needed to. Louisiana Lafayette really did a good job at the line of scrimmage against Iowa State. He really took it to them in spots, and it wasn't a fluke. Now, Iowa State still had chances, and I mentioned this. Uh, we discussed this on the Film Room Show with Scott Seidenberg Tuesday night. You can check that out, by the way, at 7 p.m. Eastern, 6 p.m. Central Time on Tuesday nights. Um, Iowa State had a lot of miscues. They didn't play a clean game. They made mistakes on special teams. Still could have won the game, but they didn't play their best game. And Louisiana Lafayette is really good, a really good group of five team. I don't think this means that Iowa State's going to have a bad year, but for the people that are trying to make them a top 10 team, they never were that. They can be a top 25 team, and I still think their chances are pretty good that they can be at some point during the year. But they simply are not any better than that. Now, does that mean that I expected them to lose to Louisiana Lafayette? No, I thought they should have beaten them, particularly in Ames. But the tape showed um, some issues at the line of scrimmage that need to be cleaned up, some mistakes in the kicking game that need to be cleaned up. Uh, I thought they missed their outstanding tight end. That really hurt them. Um, I think there's some things they've got to get better at before the start of the season. Similarly, I thought Arkansas State, the film showed, really played Kansas State very well at the line of scrimmage. Um, again, it wasn't a fluke. Blake Anderson's got a really good team. And speaking of bright, shortlist coaches coming from the group of five, need to look no further than Billy Napier at Louisiana Lafayette and Blake Anderson of Arkansas State. Both, I think, are going to – Bill Clark at UAB as well. But those two, because we're talking about them now, come to mind. Kansas State um, has success by their ability to play clean football, to do the little things well, the fundamental things well run the football well, uh, defend the run well, really sound gap control against the run, um, not a lot of false steps, maybe limits in big plays, but also doing a pretty good job of keeping defensively plays in front of them. They didn't play a clean game. 
they didn't play Kansas State ball. And <laughs> pardon me, when you are a team built upon a clean game and you don't play a clean game, you get exposed a little bit. And I thought they did. And against a good team that, <laughs> pardon me, that made them pay. So, look, the film showed no reason for panic in those two teams. They did play two good teams. Had they played two weaker group of five teams, they win the game, may not play any better than they did, but there's not the panic. There's a, oh, yeah, they're fine. They won the game. And, you know, well, they're again, what I will try and always try to do, if you want to understand the game better, study the process, not the result. The result's pretty simple. Okay, don't study the result. Study the process. Everybody knows what the result is. Why did the result take place? And that'll get you a better understanding of who's good as a player, as a team, as a coach. That helps you understand the game better, whatever you want to do with it, just as a fan, or you like to wager on it, or fantasy, whatever your 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 favorite thing to do is. That's what we try to to focus on. And I do think that both of these teams, Kansas State and Iowa State, can still have good years, will have good years. But at, neither one are contenders in the division. But could they pull an upset or and maybe spoil it for a better, more talented team? Yes. I just think that they ended up playing two good teams that in the eyes of most people were big-time underdogs, but the film said before the game and definitely after game, after the game that there's not as big of a gap as you might think. Yes, Iowa State and Kansas State, more talented, should have won the game, games, and they didn't. That's why. Um, I am more concerned about, in the Big 12, Kansas. There's no doubt that Les Miles is trying to build this from the high school ranks. And Kansas has been traditionally JUCO-centric. Kansas State has been, too, as the Jayhawk League, very productive junior college um, leagues in the, state of, in the state of Kansas. I think they're trying to build for the future. But I got to tell you, they were ill-prepared. Coastal Carolina beat them, and I'm not sure that – I mean, this is two years in a row. And this also goes to preparation. This also goes to, you know, a, a, an understanding of what you want to be, but the inability to get it there in a timely fashion is a problem. And I think Coastal's really solid. You know, Kansas still should be able to win a game like this. That's why you schedule it. And more than the other two games, that if they went and played Iowa State, Louisiana Lafayette, Kansas State, Arkansas State, they went and played the game next week, Kansas State and Iowa State probably win. If Kansas and Coastal Carolina played next week, Coastal Carolina would win. There's no doubt in my mind. 
you know, Kansas has a long way to go as a program. Um, the, the recruiting is always going to be a challenge. But the one thing that I said about Les Miles, and I've known Les for years, had a relationship, sometimes good, sometimes rocky, I'm going to be honest, professionally speaking, like him personally. Um, Les is not somebody that's going to upcoach a team. He's somebody that will get his strength is recruiting and simplicity. I think his teams play mentally tough. And I think if he's got 10 win talent, he's going to win nine or 10 games. I mean, he's going to be there. But, you know, and I think he can respond in adverse situations, and he's done that, but he doesn't maximize the personnel that he has. And he's been a little bit, for somebody that's not a great X's and O guy, he's always been a little bit too much hands-on of how he wants it to look and taste. And that hasn't been a good fit for him. So I always said, and I said this when he was rumored for the Kansas job, he was rumored for other jobs. That's the worst place for him to go. I mean, people threw him out for Purdue and Jeff Ramos. You, if you, if you, you put him in a place where he's not capable of getting the best players in that league, he's not going to be successful in that league. He was successful at LSU to a point because he recruited well. But he was consistently outcoached. Well, at Kansas, you're not going to outrecruit anybody. So even being a good recruiter, he's not going to change the face of Kansas football. He's not going to make them relevant to where he can recruit a team that could be a top 20 type team, talent-wise. And then so where does that put him? If you're not going to upcoach him, I mean, that's what you need. You need, in a place like that, somebody that can get more out of less, pardon the pun, and that's the opposite of what Les can do. So I've got real concerns there. I've also got concerns about Texas Tech. I know they've had a lot of positive tests. I watched the game, maybe the only person that did, the game against Houston Baptist, and my goodness, they should have lost that game, and they really did everything but lose it. So we'll see. I don't think this necessarily is the end of the Big 12. Um, I'm trying to is it a uh, a Spartan Barton? Is that it? Is it Spartan Barton or a Parton Barton? Um, I, I apologize, can't can't read it closely. Uh, does this past weekend possibly boot the Sun Belt perceived strength nationwide? Well, absolutely, it does. I think that the one thing that it does, Spartan Barton, is is um, in this time frame of a couple of weeks where you don't have the Pac-12 and the Big Ten playing. And if you're just joining us, the Big Ten looks like they're back um, playing. It, it creates opportunities for the other leagues to get a little bit more exposure. And the Sun Belt's been a pretty good league. App State's been good. George Southern's done good things. Louisiana Lafayette's done good things. I think we're seeing some of that. Coastal. It, it it does not mean that they're, you know, because Louisiana Lafayette beat Iowa State, it doesn't mean that the program is better than Iowa State. That's that's 
a one-game sample, and it's easy to make a snap judgment. I, I think it's just that, a one-game sample. It, it shows, though, that there's good football in a lot of the other in, – in the group of five leagues. There is good football, and it varies like other – you know, it varies a little bit more. There's some powers in those leagues, but it, it's a little bit more variable. Um. I mean, there's a reason why even at Division One AA level, why is North Dakota State so much better? Because they have better resources than most people at that level. And so they can do things that the chalk top folks can do in 1A, they can do in 1AA. So they have a lot of success. Very, very good reason for that. But it is there is good football. And I think it does maybe belie the fact that in my opinion, there should be a path for those teams to have a chance to maybe, you know, my if you've listened to me at any length in my platforms talking about college football, I'm a believer in having the college season, creating a bowl season, and then picking the teams after the bowl game. Because I think that schedules can be controlled to some degree going into the season but you don't know who the best teams are going into the season. I mean, we know who the top teams are, but we don't know who might have a surprisingly good year or not. And so, therefore, trying to look at schedules and say, well, this team didn't play that. Well, there's nothing you can do. You can only play who you play and who you have on your schedule and you can't control your league, which is why if you take the end of the college season and you put the best teams and the best bowls and then let them, you know, further extend the season through the bowl games through the month of December. Then you pick four, you'd have a good view for it. So let's just say you did in a given year have a group of five team that maybe played a couple of teams out of conference in the power five and had success and went unbeaten. And you're questioning whether they're good enough. You don't have to question it. Put them in a bowl game against one of those better teams. And if they earn it, not, hey, you know, UCF beat Auburn in a Sugar Bowl for a game that maybe Auburn's not motivated for, put them in a bowl game in which the game is going to matter and will probably determine whether you make the playoffs or not for both teams. Then you're going to get the best focus, the best effort, the best players. It's kind of hard to really to do it any other way. but. Be that as it may, I I think that having these teams uh, having a path is something that I'd like to see. Some other thoughts quickly. Florida State, Georgia Tech. Look, the the tape showed a few things. Same on Florida State. No, no, it's not. Yeah, there's some things they lost. They lost at home to an unranked team, a team that they were supposed to beat. I get that. But there again. The untrained eye just sees the result and sees the same thing. Here's what I see. Here's what I kind of know, and then it showed up on tape. For Florida State, first of all, I want to talk about Georgia Tech for a second. Give them a lot of credit because it's been about Florida State all week. Georgia Tech looked like a program in the second year under a coach that's doing a very good job. They were organized. They got a good young quarterback that. Um, 
made a difference in the game, can run the football. They're a better team. They've got Georgia Tech took a lot of guys that were running the option, now playing on defense. It's a process. And I said that Georgia Tech will gradually get a little bit better. And they, and, and so let's give them credit. They deserve that. Okay. They went out, took that game. Florida State. Here's what I know. It's been a problem at Florida State for a couple of years. It's been a culture issue. It's been a work ethic issue. It's been an attitude issue. Mike Norvell has not had enough hands-on time with this program because of COVID to correct some of that. And everybody says, well, run these guys off. You run all the guys off that need to be run off. You won't even have, forget COVID, you won't even have the ability to play a team. So it it will take a while to clean that out. Always remember this. This is really important, and I've learned this from a lot of my coaching search work. If you want to look at how a coach is doing in a program, the, the first year that a coach takes over a program, it's more of an indicator of what he inherited more than what he does. The second year, it's a little bit more what the new coach believes and less of what the old coach left, but there's still some of that. Then as you get to the third year, so on and so forth, the longer you get control of your program, the more you get a true sense of what the coach is going to be. This is an indication of the problems they've had at FSU. There are people are, as Mike Norvell going to be, is he the guy, he's a Memphis guy. First of all, Florida State, you've left that program to the point where you are not in a position to go get a big-time coach. You had a big-time coach who Jimbo Fisher did not do a good job the last year he was there. I admit that. But you had a big-time coach that left your program to a program that he thinks is better because they've got better better facilities and better financial resources. So that ought to tell you right there where your program sits in the coaching community. Mark Stoops was not interested in the job. Other guys that were floated out, Bob Stoops was never interested. You were fortunate to get a guy. You're not going to get anybody more proven than a guy who did a good job at Memphis. You're not in a position to do that. You could be at some point you were when Bobby Bowden was there, you, you know, you could, that program was at a stature where you could have attracted. I mean, Jimbo Fisher was a really good candidate. He was a coach in waiting, but it, it was in a better position. It is not now. And the financial resource gap between them and Clemson is just, you see that? See that? I'm raising it really big, really big gap. Okay. Look, it's going to take some time. It's going to take recruiting and it's going to take culture branding. What you see with Mike Norvell is the ability to evaluate players in recruiting very well and develop players. And with that, I think you're going to see Florida State be successful. Are they going to go and catch Clemson under Mike Norvell? Not unless Clemson comes back to the pack. That ain't happening. Y'all let that gap get too big, regardless who you want to blame, whatever that's. It is about can Florida State be the second best or in the ACC 
Or can you possibly catch Clemson if Clemson comes back to the pack? I think what I saw on tape is I saw an offensive line that fundamentally played better, but it's not very talented. I saw special teams that was much better organized, much better schemed, much more disciplined. They don't have a quarterback right now. And if you don't have a quarterback that's accurate, you got a problem. You don't have a quarterback that's accurate, that can't get the ball out on time and can't throw it accurately on a consistent basis. And you can't protect them. You're going to have offensive problems. Yes, there's defensive talent. Love Marvin Wilson as a player, but he's a locker room lawyer. Asante Samuel Jr. made some big-time plays. But you have a culture there of, I'm out for me, and I'm going to do my best to get ready for the league. And that attitude is not the one you want to have. You want to have one that's more team-oriented. That is more appealing to those of us that are NFL scouts. But that's not where they are right now. And that's a byproduct of a couple of bad years of Willie Taggart's culture on top of Jimbo Fisher leaving him out to dry. Clemson was very impressive. Trevor Lawrence is absolutely focused. They're going to be tough to be. I mean, no one's going to be Clemson, only a, just a bad, bad situation. Notre Dame, you know, COVID-related. No one's beating them in the conference. Not even Notre Dame. Notre Dame. Um, run blocking was graded out better than pass protection. Pass protection wasn't that good. Book wasn't that sharp. Limited in playmakers. Still can be a pretty good team. They will do a pretty good job in the ACC this year. Um, what else? North Carolina looked at Better on defense, but against an undermanned Syracuse offensive line. Keep that in stride. Those are some of the key issues. This week, as I look um, in some of the things I'm looking forward to, as I grab the schedule to make sure. Um, sneaky game, Navy-Tulane. Want to see how Navy responds at an awful performance. Want to see... Tulane's got a pretty good, very underrated defensive line. Tulsa, Oklahoma State, I just touched on a little bit. It's going to be interesting to watch. South Florida, how they respond uh, and uh, how they play Notre Dame. Um, Central Florida, Georgia Tech's intriguing. How does Georgia Tech handle some success? Central Florida's pretty good. You know, you could uh, make the case Central Florida will play, be hyped up particularly since Tech beat Florida State. Don't don't underestimate that. Georgia Tech's going to have a, a, a quite a game on their hands. Miami-Louisville is the primetime game. Miami did some good things Thursday night against UAB. We're talking about a talented Miami team that De'Aaron King's got an ability to make a lot of plays with his feet, and I think this team will continue to be an explosive team. But, man, did they defend poorly early in that game. And, you know, they made some adjustments, credit there. But, man, they couldn't defend the screen, and they were out of position. Okay. You throw that up to, okay, it's limited practice. I get all that. But that's been a pattern with Miami, so that's more concerning for them than others. They better play well. They better play within structure. 
they'd be able to play. They better play clean football because if they don't, I know Louisville's going to play a cleaner game, and it's going to be about finished product of putting it all together versus a little bit more talent. That game is Wake Forest. NC State's going to be interesting. Let's see how Wake responds. See what NC State has in this one. Duke, Virginia. So it's obviously a lot of uh, ACC flavor. Over to the NFL. Um, uh, why? Uh, how, how did uh, King's passing luck? I'm not quite sure. I asked your question again. Um, um, I don't know if it's a part and Barton, uh, a part and Barton, I think is what it is. You said, how did King's passing look? Eric, Eric King, uh, the Eric King's passing. Um, he has an ability to throw it on the move pretty well. He's very limited in the pocket. You asked a question. What is the, why is that plan never talked about? It makes great sense. Oh, oh, I, I get. I'm, I'm not quite sure what you're talking about. Uh, I'm guessing, and correct me if I'm wrong, about the bowl system. I'm assuming that's the thing. Uh, I, listen, I've talked about it a bunch. I've talked about it for at least ten years. My time at Fox Sports Radio nationally on the website. I've I've mentioned it a bunch. Um, you know, it's just. Right now, everybody's buying into the playoff system, so that's it. Uh, it is it, it is Spartan Barton. Thank you for correcting me. For some reason, it uh, the S looks like an A, and my readers are Spartan Barton. Thank you, my man. I appreciate it. I should know that. Your name's in green. Spartan Barton. Apologies. Um, so, yeah, I think that's what you were referring to, the plan about playing the bowl games. I, I don't know why other people – I've talked about it for years. Uh, get into um, the NFL real quick uh, as we run a little – got a little time, not a lot. Again, breakdowns for the week. Um, you can check out the film room grades. Uh, who graded out the best around the league – players, teams, a couple of things that jumped out of me. Kansas City was outstanding on Thursday night. Offense is still going to be dynamic. Green Bay's offense was very conservative early. Um, over their first 15 plays, Rodgers dropped back to pass 10 times. Um, but they really did a good job of making in-game adjustments against Minnesota's defense and torched them in the second half. They dominated. They won this game at the line of scrimmage. Green Bay was a um, a uh, a better team blocking Minnesota's front than it had been in the past, and that's due to their improvements, but Minnesota's issues. Um, Rodgers is off to a really good start and seems on a mission. Everyone's asked me about Tom Brady, the debut. Didn't go as well, but um, and he made some bad decisions, no doubt. However, the whole he's over the hill, he can't play, yada, yada. I get it. He's old. He can still make throws. And I don't worry about him not learning from bad decisions. I don't think we're going to see him consistently make those mistakes. I think the, you know, the communications issues are critical when 
you make side adjustments. The receiver and the quarterback has to see the coverage the same way. And obviously, the pick six was a bad throw and a bad read. The other one is a communications issue. Now, is the communication issue more, you know, when there's a communication issue, is it equal lack of communication or was it communicated as well from the quarterback to the receiver or the receiver to the quarterback? That you got to figure out internally. I expect that to get corrected. I expect the Bucs to be a better offense, and I thought their defense played fairly well in the first half. The Saints are better. I mean, the Saints are a better team, and and I think injuries, um, whatnot, I think that'll prove out. Um, but I, I think that'll be a little bit of overreaction. Uh, Dallas, boy, a bad week for them, not only losing, but losing a couple of key starters. The offensive line did not play like it's capable. Aaron Donald certainly um, created a lot of pressure to Dak Prescott. Um, but that's got to change. They're, look, they've got to be able to play better at the line of scrimmage, run the football better, and then that'll allow Dak to be really successful. They've got a good group of receivers as Dallas. But the whole opening it up and all that stuff, I, I don't know that they want to get in shootout games. I don't think that's the issue. Um, um, Spartan Martin said, I saw some great things from C.J. Henderson. Yes, C.J. Henderson graded out well. Jeff Okuda is not healthy. That's been uh, the issues. Um, so Okuda, I think, will be fine. When, he, when he's been healthy, he's played well. Uh, Joe Burrow, I thought, did a nice job. He played like a rookie uh, to some degree. There's no doubt about that. Um, but there's no question that he's got the it factor, the intangibles, um, the ability to play with great presence and poise. I thought he was really good. Leading the team back, all those things are really positive. Uh, some other thoughts. Buffalo's got to protect the football better. Josh Allen specifically. Um, Atlanta, got to play better at the line of scrimmage. My goodness. Um, Seattle, Russell Wilson played very well. Atlanta, Dallas, big matchup this week. Neither one of those teams can afford to go down 0-2. Detroit, my goodness. You know, to look, for me, I don't care who wins games. I don't pull for anybody. I work for people in the league, and so I want everybody to do well. But I got to tell you, I it bothers me more for the teams that lose because I know how hard that is. Losing is much more impactful to you negatively than winning is positive. I, it always was for me. Detroit blew a lead the first week of last year They and tied the game. This year, they blow the game to Chicago, and, and they really outplayed Chicago. And to quote the late Dennis Green, let them off the hook. Just was really bad performance. Um, New England, offense, Cam Newton. Different, moving pocket, zone read, throwing a lot of things in there. Curious to see how much they will run him and and how much he will run improvisationally in this offense all year. It's going to be pivotal. 
but I think they want to run a lot of zone read stuff. But I think what you're going to see over time, and this is my belief, I think they want to show some run early, run with Cam Newton, what I mean, some zone read stuff. I think they're going to build in all the bubble screens off of that. And I think what they're going to do is run the zone read with built-in bubble screens to where they're able to throw it because you've got to create some spacing for Cam. And I think Cam can beat you with his arm if you create enough spacing. For those of you that kind of follow us and are members at LandryFootball.com and follow me on the platform, I talked about how Washington's defensive line could possibly give the Eagles some trouble, and boy, did they. They really did, um, big time. Um, you know, Philly, great drive early, great play call early, uh, first series, I mean. And then they just really fell apart late. Turnovers, mistakes. I mean, it goes on the offensive line. It goes under Carson Wentz. It goes on some of the play calling. But here's the thing. When you are not blocking well up front, there's not a whole lot on the play sheet that says, this is going to work if we can't block anybody. Just, it starts there. And there are things you can do to alleviate that. Yes. They didn't do a very good job of that. Uh, Raiders could not generate any pass rush against Carolina. Carolina played well. Raiders were able to take care of it. Talk with this on the film room yesterday with Scott Seidenberg, but the Colts were a big disappointment. Boy, boy, you know, losing Mac early certainly affects their running game. Um, I certainly don't want to see the Phillip Rivers that I saw. It just can't happen. They're throwing it 40, 45 times, that's not going to work, particularly with a chance to come back and win it. Phillip, under pressure, turns it over again. It's just a good win for Jacksonville. I don't want to take anything away, but that's a that's a game you got to win if you're the Colts. Chargers did not do a good job with their good pass rush against a Bengals offensive line. As I mentioned, Joe Burrow did have some success. Um, Baltimore looked really good. Cleveland looked as bad as Baltimore looked good. Lamar Jackson was outstanding as one of uh, a handful of quarterbacks that graded out very, very high. Um, there, and you can check out the details at LandryFootball.com. Aaron Rodgers, uh, Lamar Jackson, and Russell Wilson were the three quarterbacks that graded in the Blues this week. You can see what exactly what that means and how many players graded in the red was outstanding. Poised to have another good year. Loaded at running back. I mean, J.K. Dobbins started as the fourth, fourth running back. Uh, they are loaded at running back. And, um, boy, the Browns look disorganized again. And what a mess. What a continual mess that has been. Um, we talked a little bit about Tampa. The Saints, Michael Thomas is a big loss. I do think, depending on, you know, he'll miss several weeks with that high ankle sprain. We'll see how long, how many games he does miss. But what I do think is that they're able to do, and, and, and what this could be done and the blessing is this will put more pressure and emphasis on other receivers stepping up. And we're going to see what they have. And it's not just the receivers. It's Jared Cook, it's Kamara. But 
It's going to be asking more of the backs, asking more of the fringe receivers that are such a big part of what the Saints need to play better around Michael Thomas. And if Michael can, when Michael comes back, I think this could help him, but that's the way it's going to have to be. Talking about a team that's banged up, nobody's faced more of that right now than the Niners. Big factor in their loss to Arizona. Arizona, Kyler Murray looks like a little version of Lamar Jackson, and they were fun to watch, played very well in beating San Francisco. Uh, We mentioned a little bit of Dallas, but the Rams played well at the line of scrimmage. Andrew Whitworth graded well. Check where he graded out this past week and how he graded the big vet. Um, Again, you can get that at LandryFootball.com with our grades. Uh, The Steelers were impressive. Steelers got a very good defense. T.J. Watt was outstanding. Again, uh, graded out as high as any defensive player this week. Um, Giants still got some protection issues. Um, Denver kind of, you know, they hung in there with Tennessee. But, you know, I, I think Denver will be competitive, but I, I still think that everybody's, you know, it's just, it's Kansas City and everybody else in that division. Tennessee got away with one, going to need to play better to get more out of that team. Let me check again. A couple of things, got a couple of questions. Um, <clears throat> Coach Grizz, um, appreciate Coach Grizz uh, says he enjoyed the show. Appreciate you and got a, uh, shout out to him. Uh, and I hope you've taken the chance, coach Grizz and uh, Spartan Barton to go and hit the like button and share it. Um, we really appreciate your following coach Grizz. I see you and Spartan Barton, both of you coach Grizz, you're supporting every one of the shows we have Chuck Oliver comes on and we really, really appreciate that. Um, uh, it's what we're doing for people like you. Um, Coach Grizz has, uh, who's your favorite out of the SEC this year? I think, uh, to me, it's Alabama. I'd, uh, I think Alabama is not only has the talent in key areas, line of scrimmage, I think they'll be really good defensively. I think they'll play well at the quarterback po- position, but they won't be reliant on trying to just spread it out and attacking people. I think that they're going to make people play with them at the line of scrimmage a little bit better. And I, I think they're the best team in the SEC. Um, I still think Georgia has more talent than Florida, but I think, you know, Florida has some key advantages and uh, I'm not quite sure there. I, I would probably favor Georgia, but I, I think jo- Florida's got an outstanding chance, but I think Alabama, I think everybody's looking up at Alabama in my mind. Um, going to get into um, the, a couple of games this week. Folks, I know it's not a great sell. I am excited Thursday night about Cincinnati Cleveland. A, I want to, I look at different things. Okay, maybe the game will suck. I am looking forward to see how Cleveland responds or doesn't. I mean, I'm curious to see what they do. And I'm curious to see Joe Burrow in this environment. I think this is this is gonna be a lot of fun theater here. Sunday's action, real quick. Giants at Chicago. Chicago did not play well. They got game at home. Giants, have, you know, these are two teams that um, Giants needed need a win really in a worse way. Speaking again, Atlanta, Dallas. 
Dallas didn't play well at the line of scrimmage. I just don't know how good Atlanta will be at the line of scrimmage. Um, that's a game. It's must win. I think for both of those teams, I mean, you know, is we know Dallas is a new coach, but, but for Dan Quinn to lose a game to Seattle and Dallas, those are two teams that I think are better than the Falcons. So it's not all that surprising, but if they don't play well, it's, you know, they can't afford to start one and seven like they did last year or whatever it was. Detroit, Green Bay, just, or Detroit, uh, Jacksonville, Tennessee. I think Tennessee gets it back on track. How about Minnesota, Indianapolis, two teams that did not play well. Uh, again, both need a win. They both consider themselves playoff fringe teams. Buffalo, Miami. Buffalo doesn't protect the ball. Miami will keep this game close and have a chance. Can the Jets do anything at home against San Francisco? We talked about that. The West Coast to East Coast travel, that's the only advantage that the Jets have there. Uh, we've got the Rams at Philadelphia. Certainly the Rams look better on tape. Philly, I think, has got to respond. We'll see if they can get it done at home here. Pittsburgh hosting Denver. Pittsburgh's better. They win the game at home. I think Tampa takes care of business against Carolina. Um Arizona, Washington, Arizona, um, move around, make some big plays. That might be the difference here. The Chargers hosting Kansas City. Um, can't let Kansas City start to run away from you. I know it's early. You do, you're in trouble. Baltimore, Houston. Baltimore is just a better team. That's the game of the week, in my opinion, is the Sunday night game. Good job there, schedule makers, the Patriots, and the Seahawks. Want to see the game plan against this Seattle defense, which I think has some limitations at the line of scrimmage, but they do a really good job keeping plays in front of them. So I think they're going to overload the box. I'm curious to see how New England attacks it from an offensive standpoint, strategically. Um, And then I'm equally as excited to watch a very gifted, very talented Russell Wilson playing very well this offense what they can do against one of the top two secondaries in the league. It's Buffalo or it's New England. New England's just got a loaded secondary. It's a really good defense. Um, so like this matchup, I think this is going to tell us a whole lot. Maybe, maybe Seattle at home is a difference. The Saints go to Vegas. And I'll say this. Um, if the Raiders can't get a better pass rush on the Saints, it's not going to matter if Michael Thomas is not playing in the game or he's not playing in the game. It won't matter that he's not playing in the game. They've got to generate better pass rush. The Raider defense is a concern for me. That's kind of a look at some of the key looks at this college and NFL weekend. want to get to um, a question here. And again, you can send a question on our chat room. Go to twitch.tv slash Chris Landry football. You can also send us a question. Um, by email, go to LandryFootball.com and hit contact Chris and send us a question. So Kevin asks, um, I wasn't impressed with Atlanta's blocking scheme and our execution with respect to Jamal Adams. Jamal did grade out well. It seemed like he had a lot of free releases into the backfield and has the ability to overpower backs. Can you explain what's needed to get him blocked? Look, uh, very simple. You've got to be able to block him with a back. You can't, with your protection schemes, 
you you account with your five offensive linemen. You account for the the down front, and you've got to be able to pick up any potential blitzers, and you've got to cut him. You've got to you know roll a rafe on them. So that's how you have to do it. You want to know how do you do it? Can you explain what's needed to get him blocked? You've got to do that from a, an assignment standpoint and an execution standpoint. You can only do so much. You can't you can't line up and say, well, we're going to send a tackle or a guard to block them. Well, who's going to block the tackle? Who's going to block the end? So there's only got 11, and you've got so many guys in the block, and that's why you have the backs. The backs have to do a better job of that. They did not do a good job of that that were poorly equipped there. When the Seahawks offensive line zone blocks left and Russell Wilson bootlegs right, is the key defender in this scenario the play side defensive end? Um, you've got contained. So when you roll out, you've got the contained guy short and you've got a guy deep that's got to come up and you know not give up the ball over his head, but to play with enough space to be able to come up and force. So you got to have a force guy as you roll to the rollout, you've got to be able to adjust. And really on all three levels, you should have a force guy. So that is something that you've got to look at. Um, so it is, um, it's, so he's not the key defender. He's one of them. If the defensive end makes the proper read and rolls with Wilton, what's the proper technique? You've got to play contain. You've got to make sure that he doesn't get outside you, okay, and that you support and play contain to force him into the pursuit. You don't want him to get outside you because if he gets outside you, then he's got the boundary, and it's tougher to defend him from the second and third levels. If you play contain and keep him in, you'll force him in to defenders. Realistically, Kevin asks, how many games is Brady going to need to get the Bucs offense where it needs to be? It was fairly obvious that there were timing issues in the passing game. Look, it's tough to see how many games. It's it's practice, it's rhythm, it's timing. I think it's going to be incrementally better. Um, but you know, it's not like, oh yeah, four games, that's it. It's done. No, it's it's I think it'll get incrementally better for two reasons. One, it's all relative. They're playing, for example, a defense that's not as good this week. It's the second week. Expect the results to be better. You play a tougher team, and I don't have the schedule in front of me, week or three, it may not be as good. So it's not just about him and his timing. It's all relative to who you're doing it against. Your timing, your execution has to be that much sharper relative to who you're playing. I mean, you you have to play to a standard. But the results, which is what everybody looks at, are going to be directly affected by your ability to execute relative to their ability to execute against you. So I think it's going to be incremental. Hey, folks, I've gone over time. Good thing we don't have a show coming right after. We appreciate it. Check out uh, Chuck Oliver uh, in an hour as he'll be uh, bringing his usual college football talk. In fact, it is Wednesday. It is Wednesday today. I will be on today with Chuck Oliver at the bottom of the first hour for two segments as I normally am. So check us out as we break down the world of college football uh, right here. Check out all our great programming on Twitch TV. Again, if you are not watching us on Twitch TV, join us and hit the like button, hit the heart button, join us in the chat room. Uh, This is what we're here for. This is why we're doing it. So check us out. Um, if you're listening to us on this podcast, check us out on Twitch as well. And you can always, uh, if you caught 
part of this while we're, we're doing it live and you want to go back and listen to it, we're going to have it for you at LandryFootball.com. You can also get it in podcast form, this show, uh, by signing up for Landry Football's conference call. So we appreciate you joining us. We appreciate your feedback. We appreciate your questions. Um, Spartan Barton and, um, and Coach Grizz, really appreciate you who joined us in the chat room. But we're here for all of you. So join us. Check out LandryFootball.com. All the film room breakdowns, the previews, the analysis postgame, college, NFL, recruiting, draft, we've got it all for you. Take it, try it out for a month, uh, see if you like it. Um, take advantage of the year membership. That's really a good one. Folks, less than a magazine subscription, you can get access to a coaching and, a coaching and scouting department. So can't put it any better than that. So uh, join us there. We really appreciate you. And join us as uh, we break down the world of college football. I'll be back on Friday with um, SEC football and beyond with uh, Neil McCready. And I certainly join the Big Ten and the Big 12 guys on Thursday as well. And uh, check out all the great programming here on the Chris Landry Twitch channel. Sayonara, everybody. Appreciate you. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.